Well, we are continuing this morning in our series called In Christ. This is a series that is moving us through the book of Ephesians, where in the book of Ephesians, uh, let me ask a couple questions to see what you remember. Uh, Who wrote Ephesians? Paul, good. And uh, where's Paul when he wrote it? He's in prison, so we call this a prison epistle because epistle means what? It's a letter. So he writes a letter to the church at Ephesus, and it's called Ephesians. And in his letter, it's only six short chapters, and uh, over about 36 times, Paul uses the phrase or its equivalent, in Christ. Because I'll tell you what, that when you submit yourself to Christ, everything changes. When your marriage is in Christ, is different. When you submit your children and they are in Christ, it makes a difference. When your finances are in Christ, it's different. And so we're going through the book of Ephesians in this way. And, and last week, uh, well, we've talked about a few different things. First, we talked about our identity for week one. We talked about our identity that Paul kind of starts off, boom, right away. And we said that I am in Christ. I am loved, I am chosen, I am adopted. And then we talked about how God has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit because here's what I know, the Christian life isn't hard. It's not hard. It's impossible. And we need the Holy Spirit. And then last week we talked about to know that all of these things, Paul's writings for for the church at Ephesus, to know God more. This is what we said last week, to know the hope to know the riches, to know the power. Because the aim of the Spirit's activity in our lives is to help us know the Lord more deeply. And so if you're just jumping in today in this series in Ephesians, you can always go to our website, newlife4kokma.org, where all of our messages are archived on our website, and you can get caught up there as well, and you can even find the notes and all that good stuff. Okay, but today we're going to continue on. We're actually now week four of, of Ephesians uh, we're actually going to be beginning in chapter 2. So if you brought your Bible, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, we're going to have the scripture up on the screen as well. Uh, but if you like to look and read it in a physical Bible, you can grab a Bible from the seat in front of you. It's the orange book there. Uh, and if you're grabbing an orange Bible, turn to page 799. That's where we're going to be beginning today. And I'll also tell you what, if you do not own a Bible, that Bible in the seat in front of you, it's yours. Take it home, write your name in it. That is yours, a gift to you from New Life Church. You can have it. We just, we believe in Scripture that much that, we, that you can take that with you if you do not have a Bible. But let's jump in today. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. This is what it says. It says, as for you, say, that's me. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you, watch this, used to live. And that's some of you. You used to live in in this death of your transgressions and sin. But I remember when I was living in my death of the transgressions of my and sin. It says, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The ruler of the kingdom of the air is Satan. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time. And what were we doing then? 
gratifying the cravings of our flesh and, the follow, and following its desires and thoughts. I accidentally cut off the last part of that verse. If you're looking in your Bible, you'll see it. But this is what it says. It says, like the rest, we by nature are deserving of wrath. So like the rest, by nature, all of us deserve wrath. Another way to say it is this. The factory reset button on humanity is we deserve hell. Why? Because of transgression and sin. Listen, sin, it's a big deal. And, and, and I don't like trying to minimize sin. Because uh, for years, people have been good at trying to minimize their sin. But, the, but it also means they are maximizing other people's sin. So I'm going to maximize your flaws, but always minimize mine. But the, but the problem is, is that all sin is death. It's death. It says that, that uh, as for you, you were dead. Dead in your transgressions and sins. Here's the thing. God's not trying to fix you. He's trying to kill you. Yeah. Over a hundred times, Paul says, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. Listen, this is why the symbol of baptism is that the old man is buried with Christ in baptism and then raised to walk in a new life. He's not trying to fix you. He's trying to make you new. He's trying to, he's trying to kill the old man and bring him back to life, something anew. Because here's the thing. When he found us, we were dead already. We were dead in our transgressions. And since ever, I wonder though, it says you're dead in your transgressions and sin. It's like, what's the difference? Transgressions or sin? Well, the word transgression, it's, it's, there, in Hebrew, there's really three main words for the word sin. Uh, one is the word peshaw. Another word is the word hatah. Uh, uh, and then a third word is the word avon. And so we have transgressions, sin, and iniquity. These are all words used for sin, but it is believed that transgressions that we read in, in Ephesians chapter 2, it's the word peshaw, and, and it means it is a sin. It's also translated trespass in some of your Bibles, but it is sin that is committed out of rebellion. In other words, peshaw is an intentional sin, that you intentionally caused a transgression. You trespassed where you knew you shouldn't go. You didn't just wander off the path. You just, you just went off the path intentionally. And the word sin here is the word hatah, which means it, it is a wandering or a strain from the path. In other words, sometimes sin is even unintentional. But what Paul is saying is he's saying, listen here, whether intentional or not, dead, <laughs> dead intentional sin unintentional sin dead in other words it doesn't matter whether it's pasha hata you're all dead all of you every single one of you and this is the first thing you need to know is that sin this is what it causes y'all it causes death 
Any, in, in what, so to give you a working definition of sin, we say it all the time that sin is to miss the mark. Imagine art, archery, right? You, you, you shoot, you miss the target. You miss where it was supposed to go. Anytime that we miss the mark, we, we, we wander off the path. And what is the target? What is the path? It is, it is God's will and desire. And if we stray from that, then we are off the path and we are in sin. And sin causes death. Well, now it's like, okay, well, let's unpack that. What is death? Because obviously we're all still sitting here breathing air. This, yes, this is a spiritual death. Sometimes sin leads to physical death. But death is really a picture of, of separation. Because to be dead in sin is to be ultimately separated from God. And so when Christ comes, he now builds the bridge for us to have access to the Father again and be made alive and in righteousness and right standing with God. The problem with sin is it separates us from God. And to be separated from God, who is the giver of life, is death. In in, in James chapter 1, verse 13, this is what it says on the subject. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. No, no, no. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person, watch this, is dragged away and enticed by what? By their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. So we see a progression that takes place when we don't deal, when we wander off the path, when we start missing the mark, it ends badly. It leads ultimately to death. Now remember I told you that the Hebrews, they have three words for sin. Remember I told you pashah, the transgression, sin, and then the other one is called iniquity, iniquity. The word iniquity in Hebrew is the word avon. It's three letters, av, vav, and nun. And avon happens also to be a women's makeup company, which is interesting. Uh, I'll leave that one alone. But the word avon is another word for sin or iniquity. If we go back to ancient history, ancient Hebraic history, of course, the Hebrew people spent 400 years in Egypt, and so a lot of their writing was in hieroglyphics, if I say that right. In other words, it's pictures. And so there is a, a, the language of the Hebrews in ancient times was called Paleo-Hebrew, and every letter was a picture, every word was a comic strip. So, so Avon is Av, Vav, Nun. And the A is the picture of an eye. The Vav, the V, is a picture of a hook. And Noon is a picture of fish multiplying. And so all, all together, this kind of forms a little comic strip. And this is what iniquity means. Iniquity means whatever your eye hooks to multiplies. Whatever your eye hooks to multiplies. James says it like this. It starts with desire. 
what your eye hooks to. Desire, then you're, you're enticed. After desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. Sin would be the lust for it. And sin, when fully grown, gives birth to death. So transgression is really the act of doing it. Sin could be the lust for it. Iniquity is all the way back to when your eye was first hooked by it. You see. Look, Romans 6.23, it puts it very simply. It says, for the wages of sin is death. When you work a job and you get paid a wage, you deserve a wage after the work you've, you've done. And with sin, it's the same way. When we sin, you get, you get paid what it was worth, and the wage for sin is separation from God. It's death spiritually and can even lead to death physically. But then there's a big old butt in that verse. Yeah. The Bible's full of big butts. There's a big old butt right here, and it says, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life. There's, I see two different things here. One is wages that you work for. The other is a gift you get for free. And there's all kinds of people trying to figure out how to live for free. Then they need to hear the gospel. This is the best gift ever. You can work for it on your own, and you can get the wages of sin, but it's death. Separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life. And how? It's in Jesus. When you put your faith in Jesus, God forgives us of all the junk, all of our failures, all of our mistakes. He kills the old man, and he makes us anew. And we have eternal life in him, which is not separation anymore. It is, it is being made right with God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the second thing you need to know is that Christ brings life. If sin brings death, then Christ brings life. Sin brings death, Christ brings life. And it says it like this in Ephesians 2 verse 4. It says, here's another big old but in this verse. You ready for this? Remember what we read. We read earlier that you are dead in your transgressions and sins. Big old but because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. And even when we were dead in our transgressions, in other words, even when you were caught in the act of your foolishness, he loved you and is by grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. Ephesians verse 8, the second chapter says, For it is by grace... You have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's by grace you have been saved, through faith. In other words, you can't work for it. You can't earn it. Because that is literally the opposite of grace. Grace is an unmerited favor. In other words, you don't deserve it, 
but he gives it anyway. It'd be as though you got pulled over doing 110 miles per hour in a 60 mile per hour speed limit. And the Indiana state officer pulls you over, comes to your window, says, roll down your window, hold out your hand, and you go, hmm, and he gives you $1,000. Have a good day. That doesn't even scratch the surface of the foolishness, the audacity of the grace of God. That he would freely give life to a fool like me. That he would freely, freely forgive and then give me a gift. That is how audacity, just crazy the love of God is. And I want you to know, he is that crazy for you. That he says, hold out your hand, you immediately think punishment. He goes, no, no. Grace, a fresh start, a new chance. I'll even forgive all your mistakes if you just, what? Put your faith in me. You put your faith in me, I just give you grace, it's free. Because if you could work for it, then you could boast that prideful, look at me. This isn't a look, about, look to me type religion. This is a God found me. He saved me. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. Isaiah 53, it's not on the screen, but Isaiah 53, verse 5 and 6, this is what it says. Listen to this. This was prophesied, written down, and in our scripture, hundreds of years before Jesus. And if, I, if I'm remembering accurately, it's likely 700 years before Jesus. Isaiah 53, it says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. And this is hundreds of years before Jesus, yet it's speaking of Jesus, that he, Jesus, was pierced. When was he pierced? On the cross. He took nails in his hands and his feet. And why did he do that? For our transgressions. In other words, for the stupid things we did intentionally. He was pierced for our transgressions. And this says, he was crushed for our iniquities. So when, when, when Christ took the punishment, he takes it all the way back to the moment your eye was hooked by it. And then it says, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. You know why? It was our punishment he took upon himself, and he gives us peace. Then it says this, and by his wounds we are healed we all like sheep have gone astray remember wandering off the path each of us has turned to our own way and the lord has laid on him the god has laid on jesus the iniquity of us all Sin causes death. Christ brings life. And how can the life of Jesus that led to a death, the death of Jesus give life to the dead? Well, because we were dead 
and transgression and sin. Jesus came, lived the perfect life that you and I are not even capable of. But then he died a sinner's type death, although blameless and perfect. And it was the only way to bring forgiveness of sin. In other words, we could never do it for ourselves. God sent his son to do it for us. He took upon himself all of our transgressions, all of our sin, all of our iniquity upon himself. And when he died, three days later, he came walking out of that grave. He overcame what you can't overcome because he knew you couldn't win the battle. So he won it for you. He says, just put your faith in me. It's by grace now you have been saved. So sin brings death. Christ brings life. But it doesn't stop there. And unfortunately, too many people, when they discover the grace of God, they're like, woo, free, man. New life in Jesus. Going to church. Getting to meet some church friends. Singing me some church songs. And it ends there. It doesn't end there. The day you find Jesus is not the goal. It's a great thing. But it is only the starting line. He didn't save you. If Listen, if the point of getting saved is to go to heaven one day when we die, then let's just go now. I mean, we're not that kind of church, okay? There ain't no Kool-Aid in the back. and ain't got no Kool-Aid here. <laughs> but if the point is just to get to heaven... What are we waiting for? It's because it's not the point. It's a benefit, but it's not the point. Watch this. We are to now make a difference. We were saved to make a difference. You are called to make a difference. And sometimes it's connected to vocation, sometimes it's not. Listen, your career is how you make a dollar, but your calling is how you make a difference. You've got to recognize the hope that he has called you to, to make a difference. This is what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So Paul, he's gone through this whole thing. Listen, sin, dead. Through Jesus, alive. And now, go to work. Now, there's a calling to make a difference upon your life. For we are God's handy work. And let me tell you, God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make an accident. If you're the handiwork of God, he made you with purpose. He doesn't make an accident. He doesn't make mistakes. He may even look at how you came here. You may look at how your parents conceived you and say, it was a mistake, and God goes, ha ha, joke's on you. I'm putting purpose in this person. 
You may think, I'm an accident, I'm a mistake, I've made too many mistakes, so I'm just, I'm going to wear the mistake label. Uh-uh, uh-uh. God's grace is so much more powerful than your mistake. He says, I don't make mistakes, son. I don't make mistakes, daughter. My handiwork. I don't do things by accident. God does things on purpose. And there's a purpose for your life. And he's calling you to. Purpose is not connected to making a dollar. But it is connected to making a difference. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works. We were dead, now alive. Now let's make a difference. And I've used this analogy before, but I, I just feel like it's such a good illustration. It's as though you found, you found somebody that if you just go to them and ask, they'll pay your mortgage because they're just that rich. Like, like there's this, you just know there's this really, really rich, rich person. And if you just ask them, they're so, they're so generous. They'll say, yeah, just give me, your, give me the name of your mortgage company, your address, and I will, I will cancel your mortgage. I will pay for it. And then it says, oh, and uh, tell all your friends. And you go, oh, I ain't telling nobody, man. I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm just going to enjoy this, this freedom from my mortgage payment. This is what people do when they find Jesus. They enjoy all the benefits of this new life in Christ. But the rich man who canceled the mortgage is saying, go tell your friends. Go tell your friends and I'll, I'll, I'll cancel their debt too. And then all the people that have canceled mortgages, they get together every Sunday morning and they praise the guy that canceled their mortgage. Like, isn't he awesome? He's awesome. <laughs> Is your mortgage still paid off? It's still paid off. I checked the balance. It's still zero. Woo! Huh. That's not this kind of church. I'm sorry. Because listen, when God canceled my sin, I hit the jackpot. And I'm just guessing. Because I know some of you, huh, that when you found Jesus, you hit the jackpot too. I'd rather have my sin forgiven than my debt forgiven. And yet, the one that had the authority to cancel my mistakes and failures is telling me and telling you, go tell your friends. I'll cancel theirs too. But the only way I can cancel it is if they know me. So go introduce them to me. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't have mortgage parties on Sunday mornings. <laughs> go tell your friends. I'll cancel theirs too. And the God of the universe sent his own son to die a criminal's death. As, but though he was perfect, he died a criminal's death to set you free, to set me free. 
And if we just gather on Sundays and celebrate the fact we're free, we missed it big time. Because the point wasn't just to get to heaven one day. The point was, we're going to bring heaven down here so that people are living in the hell of their life can experience heaven here on earth, now, today, having their sin forgiven and being found free. Listen, make a difference. Make a difference. Sin causes death, but if you said, I found Christ and I'm alive, it's time to make a difference. You're God's handiwork. He doesn't make mistakes. He gave you purpose. He gave you purpose. And all of it, although you were dead, he made you alive. All of it was because he loves you. I've done some crazy things for my kids because I love them. I've done some crazy things for my wife because I love her. One time my wife said, I want coffee. We're traveling. I said, there's, there's not coffee nearby, but we turn around and drive 20 minutes the wrong direction. We'll get you some. She looks over and says, where are you going? I'm turning around. You said you want to. Like, no, that was crazy. I'll do it. I'll do some crazy things because of love. And God would do something as crazy as somehow make it so you're sitting at 1803 East Vale Avenue, Kokomo, Indiana, on this day, at this very moment, for you to hear how much he loves you. And it's by grace we're saved through faith. I just invite you right now, would you just stand to your feet with me? In a moment, we're going to sing one last song. And when we do so, I just believe that someone here today needs to remember the weight of sin is serious. And sin, the Bible says, easily entangles us. Which means it can just get you. It's so easy to entangle us that it can get you without trying. And so maybe today you've been entangled by sin. It's simple. He forgives freely. If we ask him, it says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So maybe as we sing this last song, you just need to have a moment where you confess before God, God, I got entangled this week. I got into, and will you forgive me? And he will. And maybe you're here today and you're like, you know, I'm the one that's dead in sin and transgression and I need to experience life in Christ. Then it's simple. Today, we are taught you don't have to do anything. There's no hoops for you to jump through. I don't have six steps you need to take in order to find Jesus. The Bible gives you one step. Confess. Put your trust in him. If we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved. And you can do that today. I don't have a fancy prayer for you. It just needs to come right from here within you, from you to him. I want you to be Lord of my life. Forgive me for my sin. It's that easy. And I want to put my trust in you that I can follow you all the days of my life and help me with the rest. Because you, you likely need help with the rest. We're going to sing one last song here in a second. Before we do, would you just bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. Nothing spiritual about it, but closing our eyes. We just, let's just close out all distractions. Just you, just God. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Devin, listen, 
uh, I need to be honest before God today, and I, I've been entangled by sin. Then this moment is for you. You've been entangled. This moment is for you. And if that's to you, I just right now, in the quietness of your own heart, just take this moment and get right with him. Lord, I confess to you that I have made some mistakes this week, this month, the last year. I'm in great need of forgiveness. I don't want to be separated from you. I don't want to be separated from my calling and the purpose you've put on my life. I need your forgiveness today. And Lord, don't just forgive my transgression, but would you also forgive me and remove the guilt and shame I carry and help me to even have the conversations maybe with the right people because I need their forgiveness too. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, I am dead, I'm dead, and I need new life in Jesus. I'm ready to take a step and put my trust in him, my hope in him, get right with him, and live for him. If that's you today, this moment is for you. And you can do that. It's so simple. Just authentically and being real, would you just right now confess to them, I need you, God. I need you. Would you forgive me? I want to put my faith in you. I confess you are Lord. You are Lord. I recognize I've been trying to be Lord of my life, but I make now you the Lord of my life. And help me to know even what my next step is. I just know that my first step has to be towards you. So would you come into my life, come to my heart, make me new, and put to death all my old stuff. And if you pray a prayer like that today, you are forgiven, you are set free The Bible says he's removed your sin as far as the east is from the west, which is infinity, and he remembers it no more. And the devil would love nothing more than to keep reminding you of your past. But you just remember that you are free and you are in Christ. Hey, New Life Church, thank you so much for joining us today. If this is your first time joining us and you'd like to learn a little bit more about New Life Church, you can text the word CONNECT to the number 765-347-9127. Again, thank you so much for joining us and we hope to see you guys next time.